Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes, brought to you by Harrells. This is your host, Jack Harrell III. Our Turf Dudes are reaching out to industry leaders and game changers to discuss what they're seeing out there. If you have a topic suggestion or know of a Turf Dude with innovative work in the field we should feature, please let us know at turfdudes at heralds.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Raymond Snyder from Matt Schrader's Herald Seminar recorded February 20th, 2019 in Kiowa Island, South Carolina. Dr. Billy Crow presents How Turfgrass Nematicides Work. All right, uh, thank you all, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started here. Um, so I am uh, Dr. Crow from University of Florida, and uh, I uh, work in, uh, been working in nematology now for uh, quite a while, and uh, mostly on turf grasses, although I do, do some stuff with uh, ornamentals and and we got some fun projects there as well. But we're going to talk today about uh, the the uh, how different a couple of these different nematicides work, uh, particularly avamectin, which is what's in divinilm and some other things, and then fluopyrium, what's in indemnify. Uh, and and uh, the thing you know, you know about nematodes and and nematicides is you can have the best nematicide in the world, but if it doesn't come in contact with the nematode somehow, it's not going to do anything, right? And so uh, we, we need to look at the properties of the nematicide and what the nematode does so that we can get these things to come in contact to get them to work. Uh, before I get into uh, these new things, I want to step back and look in the, at the past, some of the things we used to have. Uh, some of you guys I know have used uh, you know, this particular product in the past. Uh, it worked uh, really, really good, uh, but it also had um, this problem here, okay, which uh, ultimately is why Bayer kind of decided to, instead of fighting EPA on this, to do a voluntary cancellation and move away from this particular product. Now, the active ingredient in Nemacure was phenamophos. This is an organophosphate uh, nerve uh, poison, so it works on the nervous system of animals. Okay. Now, nematodes are animals. They have a nervous system, and so that's why we work on those. Okay. Now, uh, but it would also work on anything else that have a nervous system, like you know, fish, birds, people, and so, uh, which is a, a big negative there. This whole class of chemistries, these organophosphates, were uh, the, the first uh, group of pesticides targeted by EPA when they changed how they were viewing things with the Food Quality Protection Act of 1996. And uh, when I first uh, came on board back at University of Florida in 2000, one of the first calls I got was from EPA. And they were, they said, well, if we, if we got rid of Nemacure and there was nothing these golf course guys could use to control nematodes, couldn't they just use more water and fertilizer? I'm like, hmm. Okay, so EPA is going to tell you guys to use more water and more fertilizer. Uh, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but um, so I spent, you know, uh, you know, from that point, the next uh, probably 12, 13 years, tested a whole bunch of stuff with marginal success or sometimes some success, but it takes a long time. And it's only in the last few years we've now got these new tools coming out where we have some effective things to use again. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but uh, the Nemacure, one of the big things about Nemacure is why it works so well was it had both contact and systemic activity. So uh, if, you, if you know, the, it was out in soil solution, it would contact nematodes there, affect nematodes. It would also get taken up by the plant and get nematodes inside the plant. As a consequence, you really didn't have to worry about what kind of nematode you had. If you had a nematode problem, you could have put Nemacure and generally expect uh, good results, which made it a very versatile treatment. 
Now, with some of our new new chemistries, they can work just as well as as Nemocure on, but not there's not as versatile where they affect uh, some nematodes better than others. Okay, so. Um, that's one of the things I'll be talking about. Okay, so when I look for a nematocyte, what are kind of the things we look for? Uh, one thing, so we want again, we want uh, ideally things that are going to be reasonably safe. We're moving away from the, the skull and crossbones, uh, you know, to uh, you know, warning and and, and and caution labels now, which is a big a big improvement. I was telling my graduate students a, a couple months ago. I said, you know, the stuff that you get, we're working with now is like 10,000 times you know, lower uh, uh, LD50 than the stuff I worked with when I was a graduate student. So uh, they should they should have outlived me for uh, by quite a bit. So, uh, but again, something that's going to be reasonably safe. Uh, again, uh, all the things we test. Like one thing we tested that was the single most effective nematicide I've ever looked at. I mean, this, we put this stuff on grass and it killed every nematode and they stayed dead. They didn't come back. We zeroed them all out. This is great stuff, except for uh, it was uh, it was it was uh, on the uh, uh, Homeland Security site. This particular uh, stuff was listed as a potential terrorist threat. It was it formed a deadly toxic gas. It could also be turned into an explosive. And uh, actually, at University of Florida, they had a chemistry lab blow up and kill a graduate student from this stuff. So uh, uh, so you know, nothing you want to uh, deal with. So again, we, we want to go away from those types of things. Practical, uh, you know. A, again, we test a lot of things, and some things, yeah, it's kind of just kind of moderately nematicidal. But to get it to, to become you know, moderately nematicidal, you have to put, you know, 2,000 pounds per acre, or you know, 50 gallons per thousand square feet, or something. And these aren't practical treatments, okay? So, uh, and then finally, things that we have research that shows that they are effective and somewhat consistent. Again, if you get something that works one time out of ten, eh, it's hard for me to recommend something like that. You know, you know, 50% of the time, well, you know, I'll kind of put that out with some disclaimers. Okay, so, uh, but uh, again, we want things that we have a pretty good idea what they're going to do and how often they're going to do it. So, um, I've kind of alluded to this, but uh, it doesn't matter what kind of nematodes we're dealing with, and I'm going to argue that it does, and I'll kind of go through my case on on why. Okay. So start off, we'll talk about sting nematode. Uh, how many of you guys, I won't make you use your hands, but I'm sure some of you guys, I know because I've seen your, some of y'all's uh, nematode reports, uh, have sting nematodes, okay? Uh, these are uh, probably the most directly damaging nematode we have on turf grasses. Uh, they cause a lot of, of root loss. They can cause grass to decline and die. I mean, this is one nematode that actually kill things, okay? So uh, it's uh, it's not a fun nematode, uh, but... but um, it has some good things about it. That's probably out of these three nematodes I'm going to talk about, probably the easiest one to actually kill. Okay, it's a very large nematode. Uh, it's about that big. Okay, so which for a nematode is huge. Okay, and uh, but it's about it gets about three millimeters or you know, big ones maybe up to like a sixteenth of an inch uh, long. Okay, uh, it, it uh, stays its entire life out in the soil. And so you'll see here we've got uh, juveniles, these young ones here. Here's the big adults here. And you'll find eggs out in the soil. Yeah, the nematode spends its whole life out in the soil. Okay, so uh, when things are out and moving around in between soil particles and things, we can uh, dissolve pesticides in soil solution that are then going to affect those nematodes. 
It also has a pretty high metabolism, so it takes up chemicals and uh, dies pretty readily as well. And it's a very active, so it also starves very easily as well. So there are a lot of ways we can attack this, this nematode. And this is uh, the type of damage it does to warm season turf grass roots. You typically give these stubbed up uh, root tips like this. The nematodes feed on the root tips and then quit growing and then don't develop. Now on cool season grasses, you don't normally see that uh, stubbing like that, but you do in your warm season your grasses, Bermuda and Zoysia and things like that. Now, um, this nematode is uh, native to the sandy coastal plains in the southeastern United States. Okay, so uh, you know, here uh, where we're at right now is, is ideal habitat for this nematode. This is where it comes from, as is most of Florida. Uh, you can find it up in the sandy uh, coastal areas up along the, the Atlantic, up as far as Delaware, and along the Gulf Coast into southern Texas. Okay, that's kind of where that it stays. It lives in sandy soil. Yeah, you would think being native to the south, it would like high temperatures, but it really doesn't. Okay, and what we have found... Uh, in my program in Florida, and I think Dr. Kearns, graduate student uh, has been working with this in North Carolina, uh, has found s somewhat similar things, but uh, we find in Florida that uh, generally th through the cool months, it stays uh, higher up in the soil profile, okay? It'll move up uh, in the wintertime. Yeah, so in the fall, winter, spring, you'll kind of find higher up in the soil. But then in the summertime, when it gets real hot, it'll drop down here four, six inches deep in the soil and kind of hang out down there, okay? Uh, now, when these nematodes are up here, uh, it's when they do, typically are doing most of their reproduction, okay? They're, they're feeding, they're, they're reproducing. You'll get a lot of eggs in the soil you'll find. We'll find a lot of juveniles. As they get to the summertime, they're all down there, and they're, here they're pretty much all adults, okay? And they're not, you don't find, because they're not reproducing, they're kind of not really feeding a lot either, they're just kind of hanging out down there. So uh, when do you think the best time to treat for this nematode would be? Yeah, spring and fall, okay? Uh, generally, uh, I get my best results from spring and fall applications of nematicides, at least in Florida. Bruce, you find the same thing here? Yeah. Uh, summertime, you can, if you've got a big problem, you can try to treat it, but you're better, better off trying to you know, kill these nematodes in those spring and fall times. Or if you're in South Florida in the wintertime, okay? But then during those cooler months. Because it's a lot easier to get a nematicide up here than it is to get one down here. Okay, uh, this is just showing it, uh, in North Florida a typical, uh, some of the population dynamics we see that uh, typically in North Florida they tend to peak here around May, and then you'll see the numbers start dropping down as we move into the summer, and that's because the nematode is moving down further in the soil where we're not finding it when we're sampling, okay? Uh, now again, you're, uh, they may be a little bit different than that here, but uh, generally that's uh, kind of what we see with this nematode, with sting nematode. Now, these different nematodes all behave differently, okay? But this is how this one kind of works. So uh, if we're trying to control sting nematode, we want something that's going to be effective, okay? We want something that's going to either kill that nematode or incapacitate it or do something to it so it doesn't hurt our grass, okay? Uh, because it stays out in the soil, uh, we can try to uh, get to it with a, with a nematicide that's either contact that uh, is out in soil solution where that nematode stays, or it could be something systemic that, that it goes inside the plant that the nematode, when it feeds on the plant, takes it up. So either mode of action works for a sting nematode. Now that being said, most of the time we're trying to kill this thing with stuff that's 
contact. And as a consequence, we need to get it through the thatch down where that nematode stays. Okay, so we're, we're putting out, we're spraying things on top, or sometimes putting <coughs> granular materials on top, and then moving into the soil with water. So we need things that are going to be water soluble and mobile through thatch, because that thatch acts as, acts as this barrier that soaks up a lot of these pesticides we're trying to apply. And it's difficult because it gets through things, uh, through that thatch, to get down where that nematode is. Now, once it gets down there, uh, we want something that's either going to last for a long time or something we can reapply repeatedly. Okay? Uh, if you think about uh, a curfew as an example, curfew is the single most directly effective nematicide on, uh, on turf grasses. You inject it in, and it moves in soil solution. It kills those nematodes, sting nematode numbers. You watch those counts. A couple weeks later, poof, there you go, down. Okay? Uh, however, uh, there's no residual activity with curfew, so those nematode numbers can come back up. Sometimes they can come up pretty quick. And so, uh, and, and because uh, in, in, we're in a region where we have moderate temperatures, it doesn't get, you know, we don't have, you know, eight, six months or eight months of, of super cold winter time. That's why people come down here to play golf, right? And so, uh, but as a consequence, these nematodes are active pretty much all year round. So they're just constantly reproducing. So they can uh, build back up, you know, and, and cause damage again. So we, want some, we need to kind of keep these nematode populations down for a longer period of time. So uh, those are some key uh, things we look for from a nematicide for sting nematode. A root knot nematode is a different animal. Uh, it starts off, uh, these are, uh, this is a zoysia grass root here. You'll see these egg masses uh, here on the root, on the root surface. Uh, each of these egg masses can contain several hundred eggs. Uh, these are what these eggs look like. You see the little, the little second stage juvenile nematodes curled up inside these eggs. They get ready to hatch. When they hatch, this is what these juveniles look like. This is the infective stage, and when you're doing, uh, when we're, we're uh, assaying uh, these nematodes, unlike stinging nematodes, you find all the life stages. Uh, we typically are just going to find these uh, uh, second stage juveniles, or depending on the species, we may get, we get, may get males. Okay, and so, um, but most of the time, this nematode spends its life inside the root. So these juveniles then go inside a root. This Bermuda grass root here. Uh, is full of these second stage juvenile nematodes. What's interesting in this particular site, this is done, actually done in Fort Lauderdale, when we took uh, soil counts from this, we didn't find, I think we found one juvenile per 100 cc's of soil. But we looked in the roots, we stained and you see there's this full of these nematodes here. And so once these nematodes go inside the root, they establish a permanent feeding site, and they don't move anymore after that. So they stay in one spot and feed on these specialized giant cells that develop the nematode uh, pumps, uh, some uh, hormones in the root that cause these specialized feeding sites to develop. Uh, the nematode now stays there and swells. You see this, this is a, uh, these now, we call these sausages here. This, this is the nematode's head. This is these giant cells here it's feeding on. And then it goes through several molts into an adult. Here you see this adult female. She's starting to lay eggs. Uh, here's this adult female. Here you see all these legs, eggs that she's laid inside. Now, uh, again, uh, in Florida, uh, we have pretty much, you know, uh, uh, Melodogyne graminus is the, the species that, well, the root dot nematode we have on turf grasses. Uh, one of my graduate students found Melodogyne marilandi one time, but we went back and after that we could only really find Melodogyne graminus in that spot. So I don't know, but now in, in, in the Carolinas, I think you've got both species, Bruce. Is that, 
Uh, but I still think gremlin is probably the more common one. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> one thing you'll notice uh, uh, is uh, because these nematodes are, again, are inside, they get moved around really readily. And so uh, knowing where most some of these grasses come from, I can kind of <laughs> know what species you're going to find because I know where the sod comes from from these places. So, um, so anyhow, so they land, but this is, uh, again, this is with this root here, and you see these are these females inside, but you don't see those egg masses like you get uh, on, on Bermuda grass from Lodigon graminus like you do on Zoysia grasses. Uh, these are uh, galls on, uh, that they cause on the roots of this grass. Uh, usually then below the root, the, these galls, the root kind of rots off, and so you get this really shallow root system with these uh, galls up here and the very uh, upper portion. On newer grass, you can find those galls going through, but as the grass matures, your root system will shorten up till you get these just little nubs. Okay, now I'm gonna go in a, in a few minutes on, on how we found this out, but, uh, well, but basically, Melodigine graminus, we find, stays up here. It stays up in this thatch, these roots up in the thatch, in this extreme upper portion of the soil profile. Okay, and very few of these nematodes do we find down in here. Okay, so uh, for controlling root knot nematode, now uh, we want something, again, that's going to be effective, that's going to affect that nematode. Uh, we want something, ideally we, would, we want something systemic, okay, because we want to get the nematodes that are inside the roots. Because remember, at any given time, most of these nematodes are inside. Uh, but uh, if we don't have something systemic, we want something that we can, uh, that's going to uh, kind of hang up in that thatch where that nematode stays, and then something we can re apply, re either going to last a long time there or something we can apply <laughs> repeatedly, okay? Because the only time that these nematodes are going to get exposed to this nematocyte, if it's a contact, is when that juvenile hatches and comes out of the root and before it gets back inside another root. Okay, so the rest of the time it's protected by the root system. Okay, uh, lance nematodes, uh, again, these are our most difficult nematode to manage. Uh, the, the amount of damage these nematodes cause is hard to quantify. Uh, we di I did just get a grant from the GCSAA. We are going to be looking uh, in great detail about la on lance nematodes, on ultra dwarf Bermudas, and uh, trying to do uh, predictive modeling and try to get a better handle on how much damage these things cause, when to sample for them. And another thing is, is what the numbers mean after you treat. Okay? And again, I'll refer to this study. We're going to be just starting now. Uh, a couple times through this talk, but these nematodes, uh, a lot of them will be out in the soil, but you'll also find them inside the roots. Uh, this is a seashore pasphalum root here. These are these lance nematodes crawling around in there, and uh, you'll find the roots full of them. You'll find them out in the soil as well. If you got a contact product, it's easy to get some of the nematodes that are out in the soil, but not the ones inside the roots, okay? So as these nematodes crawl around in these root systems, they kind of make Swiss cheese out of your root system, put all these holes in it everywhere, and then fungi get in, and you get a lot of rotting that goes on. Uh, you see these roots here with these lance nematodes are all rotten, and no, no fine fibrous root system compared to these uh, healthy uh, roots over here, where you have lots of fine fibrous roots that are taking up water and nutrients. And then these nematodes then cause the grass to decline because the roots aren't able to take up uh, the fertilizers and water that we need to, uh, that we're putting out there. Controlling lance nematode, uh, again, to start off with, we need something that's going to be effective on that nematode. Ideally, we want something systemic, but if not, we can get something contact that's mobile through thatch in water, and then we can apply repeatedly because uh, 
we uh, we got to kind of we'll kill the nematodes out in the soil, but we got to wait for the ones inside the roots to come out to get where the, to come in contact with that nematocyte. So again, it's got to stay around for for a while to do that. So we're not just get, kind of get, getting just part of the population. So let's talk about a couple uh, of our newer tools that have come out in the past few years. Uh, the first one I talk about is abamectin. Uh, this was in uh, is an Avid, which we had a 24C that was then replaced by a Divinim from Syngenta. Now abamectin is off patent chemistry. It's been around since the 1970s, and so uh, once uh, Syngenta came out with with uh, uh, Divinim. Uh, we had a couple of generics that come out right behind them, and so total is QualiPro's uh, generic uh, abamectin product, and nemamectin is the right-line Willowwood uh, formulation. There's probably going to be some others coming out. Uh, I mean, I've I've got uh, several companies where we've been testing uh, their brand of <laughs> abamectin. So again, it's off patent, right? So these generics are going to come up. But uh, I'm gonna, what I'm going to talk about today is when I talk about these abamectin is work we've done with uh, Divinil or Avid. Okay. So uh, abamectin is an excellent nematicide. It'll kill any nematode it comes in contact with. Okay. And so it's a very, very highly effective nematicide. It uh, affects the respira respiration system of the nematodes so the cells don't respire and it, uh, it dies. Okay. Now, However, uh, abamectin has this big negative in that it is very immobile. It binds to thatch, it binds to soil, and it doesn't move. Okay? Uh, one day in our diagnostic lab, this old guy came by, and he, he's bringing some nematode samples from his garden he wants to look at. And I was talking to him, he said, hey, you know, I'm a retired agrochemist. You know, I, I helped develop a nematocyte back in the early 70s when I worked for Merck. Oh, yeah, what was that? Said, oh, abamectin. So we're working with abamectin. Oh, but it doesn't move in soil. <laughs> I said, yeah, it still doesn't move in soil very well. But, uh, it, but you can think of it, though, if you're trying to control nematodes on peanuts, okay, you got to get it down, you know. But we've only got to get down, you know, it would be good if it moved better. But if you get down that much, okay, that's a lot better than nothing with that, that, that particular product. So we can get, get abamectin to work on a turf, especially on putting greens, okay. So uh, it's a, strictly a contact nematocyte. It doesn't have systemic activity. Uh, poor movement in soil. Uh, studies that were done at NC State found that if we spray it on top and water it in, less than 2% of that AI actually gets through thatch and gets down to the actual soil. And when it gets through the soil, it still doesn't get down very far. Okay, it gets down maybe an inch or so. So uh, the uh, half-life is, you know, about two weeks, two to six weeks approximately. Okay, uh, depending on conditions, you know, I think uh, four, 14 to 56 days is what uh, uh, Syngenta's uh, research has shown. So it's it's. Stays around for a little while, but it's not real, real long-lived. Okay, now, uh, like I mentioned, when we put out abamectin, 98% of it is going to stay up here. Okay. So, what nematode do you think this is going to work best on? Root knot. Okay, because remember I told you guys the root knot nematode uh, tends to stay up here, right? So, um, the uh, this uh, so abamectin has become uh, you know one of my really good uh, treatments uh, for these these root knot nematodes. I want to kind of walk you through uh, kind of some of what we've been doing with root knot nematode and re root knot nematode management and diagnosis here. 
so this is, these are plots uh, from some trials we were doing with Syngenta when we were working with abamectin some years ago. And you see here, we were trying to control sting nematodes with, with, with abamectin. And so we had this, uh, this, these, uh, this putting green here full of sting nematodes, and, and so we're putting on abamectin. You guys can see these nice squares here. We applied our abamectin versus our, our untreated uh, borders here. So it looks like we're getting really good results, right? <clears throat> but you know what? No effect on sting nematodes. Okay, so what's going on here? I'm getting, I'm getting this nice turf response from the stomatocyte and uh, no effect on sting nematodes. Uh, you may have seen this, uh, tri this uh, here, this is an aerial drone photo of one of some of my research plots. You can tell this is, this is really bad plots, okay? But, uh, but you can see we we're actually testing a, a nematocyte that didn't work, and we had the abamectin as, as a standard we we're comparing to. And you can see our abamectin plots uh, where nothing else, everything else was dead here. So, uh, but again, no effect on sting nematode. What in the world is going on? And so we started doing some depth studying and, and looking in root staining, finding out where these nematodes were. And uh, uh, we found that uh, the root knot nematodes stayed up here. Uh, when we extract our nematodes from soil, usually we throw this part away and extract our nematodes from all this uh, down here. Okay. Well, down here, what we, the root knot nematode juveniles we find are mostly the sickly ones that are kind of sick and dead and covered with bacteria and infected by fungi and stuff, okay? But, all the, but uh, we found these roots up here were all full of these nematodes, and they kind of all stayed, uh, most of them, up here most of the time. So uh, then I thought, well, maybe in my sting nematode trials, I was controlling root knot nematodes that I didn't even know they were there. Okay, and so uh, sure enough, we uh, uh, then went back and, and started doing some uh, figuring out what better ways to diagnose these uh, uh, these nematodes. And so what we came up with is this mist chamber extraction method, where uh, we take uh, these turf plugs, we take four inch and a half diameter uh, Ballmark plugger plugs, inch and a half diameter, two and a half inches deep. We wash the soil off. And we put these four plugs uh, on a coffee filter uh, over this uh, funnel here. Okay, so here's our coffee filters, and this thing just holds the filter up. And, and we had this mist that comes on every hour just uh, for a few seconds, and just keep it wet and keep it kind of things moving. And as the juvenile nematodes hatch, out, hatch, they come out of those eggs, they crawl, crawl through the filter and drop down into these funnels where we catch these things. Okay, and so uh, we started looking at uh, extracting these nematodes this way, and we found that, like I thought, that that those effects when we were trying to control sting nematodes, we're not controlling sting nematode with abamectin. We're actually controlling root knot nematodes. We didn't know were there. So this is just showing uh, a comparison of these extraction methods. Uh, we did a bunch of trials for extracting nematodes from the soil and from the uh, using the mist chamber both. And each of these were between 35 and 50 plots. So this is some Jones dwarf. These are two uh, tiff dwarf greens. This is tiff eagle. This is tiff dwarf here. You see in this uh, this experiment here, we had uh, you know about five juveniles in the soil, and then we collected over 400 from the mist. Here we found none in the soil and about 80 from the mist. Here we had one or two from the soil and about 100 from the mist. Here about 100 from the soil. Over 300 from the mist and a couple hundred from the soil and 
you know, 800 something from the mist. So again, we're consistently getting a lot better recovery uh, using this way uh, for, for uh, diagnosing these root knot nematodes. Then applying it to this abamectin, if you look at this over here, uh, this is just showing an untreated control, uh, untreated control before and then after. after. Uh, this is uh, before treatment in my abamectin plots and then after you know, treating with abamectin. And you can see we're controlling our root knot nematodes there. So, um, you know, so as a consequence, then we started looking at this. This was actually, I think, we first, one of the first uh, uh, times we actually uh, started using this in our diagnostic lab here. Uh, this is a, a, a champion Bermuda grass green down in Naples, Florida. You see how now nice and you know, blotchy that looks. This is kind of characteristic of these root knot nematodes. Again, when we ran our soil, uh, soil extractions, we got you know, one or two juveniles, okay? So I told the superintendent, well, let's try this new method. I want to see what we get. I came back, we got, I think, 1,200 uh, juveniles running through the mist. It's okay, let's try using abamectin on this, uh, this screen. And this is after we did four applications of it. This is back when we had Avid. Uh, you see this nice, beautiful response we got. The superintendent was really happy because he was actually going to go in and renovate the whole course because he thought he had some kind of weird, funky problem there. But it turned out it was just nematodes. Uh, so, uh, so abamectin, uh, again, it's an excellent root knot nematode product. Now, again, it's effective on all these nematodes if it contacts them, but again, most of us not going to contact them, okay? So, but it works really, really good on root knot. Occasionally, I, I've, I have had an occasional slight reduction in lance nematodes that we can measure, but you know, nothing to write home about, okay? Uh, and I've never had any real uh, positive responses from on sting. And, you know, occasionally I do get some superintendents that uh, feel it's helping with sting. I'm sure it might in some cases, especially during the cooler months when they're up high in the soil. Uh, now, a couple things with abamectin. It's important to irrigate it immediately. Uh, abamectin is prone to photodegradation. So I told you that half-life is 14 to 50-some days in, in soil. If, if it's exposed to sunlight, it's three hours. Okay, So you need to get that stuff off the top and get it down uh, where it's not going to get exposed to sunlight pretty quick. Uh, we have found that tank mixing with a good soil penetrant uh, enhances the benefit, not necessarily from nematode control, but from a turf response. I don't think it really makes it move that much deeper in the soil. It may be a little bit, but it helps it disperse throughout all that thatch and stuff better uh, where it contacts more of these nematodes. Uh, so um, I've also got uh, better uh, turf responses uh, combining it with, with chlorothalonil or other uh, fungicides, uh, but... Uh, We've got good results. You, you know, with, with chlorothalonil, we'd apply in the, the abamectin, water it in, and then come back with chlorothalonil on top. Uh, it's given me really good results. Uh, we've also been seeing same results with some other fungicides we've looked at as well. We've also been looking at tank mixing uh, with uh, you know, T-methyl and uh, some other fungicides, getting real good results with Heritage. So uh, most of you guys are using fungicides anyway, but uh, again, these nematodes tend to predispose the grass to getting some of these fungal pathogens, and so you kind of get the fungi and the nematodes at the same time. It doesn't necessarily help with nematode control, but it can help with getting an improved turf response. Those fungicide rates are the preventative? Yes, yes. Uh, and I guess, and we always look at some things I can't talk about right now, but we always look at some other new uh, fungicides as well we're getting really good results from too. Um, so uh, so uh, now with... Uh, with, with uh, 
you know, abomectin, I think this is back from the old Avid label, but you have, basically with Divinim, you can put 12.2 fluid ounces per acre up to four times. You have a yearly limit, okay? Now, uh, some of you guys uh, like uh, putting lower rates more frequently. I really don't like that. I, I recommend uh, you see your four apps at that high rate. Now, uh, Divinim, uh, uh, Syngenta did get the label changed on Divinim a few months ago uh, to have a spot treatment rate where you can do a 4x rate uh, four times. But there's still pending state approvals. Okay, I know. Is it been approved here yet? Not that you know. Yeah, we have, we have, it's not approved in Florida yet either. So we'll see if these things get state approvals. But uh, they, we, but in the future, you may be able to raise that up. But again, uh, you're, you know, uh, uh, keep in contact with your Syngenta people on that. So, uh, but I will say, because I've tested this, that it, it works better. <laughs> You'd expect you're putting four times as much chemical out there. So, uh, uh, so even if you're only getting a little bit of it through that thatch, you're getting, you know, four times as much. Really? Yes. How many uh, four apps at 12.2? Some folks have asked, should they split those two uh, I don't recommend that, and here's why. Okay, uh, with uh, these root knot nematodes, uh, again, remember, if, remember that stuff's only going to stay around. Let's let's say a month. Okay, so you you, you apply it, it's starting to break down after a month. Okay, well now any nematodes that have been inside the roots going through their life cycle, they're going to lay more eggs. Okay, and so about the time that that stuff wears off, you, you put some more. And then about the time that starts to wear off, you put some more. And so each time you apply, you're getting like one generation of nematodes, right? And so typically, I, I mean, I don't really start getting uh, good responses after about that third application. Yeah, one or two applications of abamectin is, doesn't do much for you, in, in my experience. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up, Bruce. <laughs> Uh, generally, I get my uh, uh, best responses with a summer program with this. You could do fall or spring, but uh, uh, and, and kind of what I, I, you know, the root knot nematodes, unlike sting nematode, it likes high temperatures. And it's the hotter it is, the more active it is, the more the faster it's reproducing. So, uh, from just from a, a nematode biology standpoint, your best app would, time would be your uh, summer program with that for that nematode. But uh, you could put it out, you know, start it earlier or, or start it in August and run through the fall if you wanted to. I know in South Florida that's kind of what I recommend because people don't care what the grass looks like in Florida in the summertime. You know, people only come down to play golf in the wintertime. Okay, so uh, let's talk about indemnify now. Uh, the active ingredient in indemnify is fluopyram. Uh, this has some uh, very unique uh, characteristics. Uh, the first is that it's actually a fungicide that they found out accidentally it had controlled nematodes. And so uh, what was now, uh, and in that class of chemistries, these SDHI fungicides, uh, uh, you, as you can imagine, once Bayer came out with this, every company that had an SDHI fungicide wanted me to test it to see if it could control you know, nematodes. And, uh, and, and none of these other uh, 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 products in these, uh, the same class of chemistries uh, seem to have that uh, uh, really good nematode control we get with uh, fluopyram. So it's kind of unique in that respect. Uh, you know, we, we get a couple times we get a little bit of uh, control with some of these other ones, but not, not uh, like, like with fluopyram. Uh, there, uh, it's also another characteristic is that it's a very long-lived material. Okay, so, uh, so from what Bayer tells me, this stuff stays around for a year. 
okay, in the soil, okay? And so that, that is kind of unheard of uh, from, uh, you know, in, in the pesticide world. Uh, so uh, that is a very unique uh, characteristic. Okay, now in addition to uh, being an indemnified, fluopyrium is also in Bayer's Xterra stress guard fungicide. I mentioned that's a fungicide as well. Uh, and so uh, if you're, uh, you know, the, the percent AI in this is very, very low. It's like 1% versus, was it 34.5% in, in indemnify? And so uh, if you put out, I think the maximum amount you can put with this, you get about a half the maximum rate of indemnify approximately, okay? And, and by label, you can only do that one time, whereas this you can use multiple times. So uh, just be aware of that. You can get some incidental nematode control with uh, Xteris, but, but not nearly as much control as you would get from indemnify. But, you know, this is a lot cheaper, and uh, I can see why some people would want to go that route. But uh, So... Uh, indemnify, uh, again, just like with the divinim, there's a yearly amount you can apply. Uh, that is uh, this uh, 0.39 fluid ounces you know, per thousand square foot per year. However, uh, uh, areas, you have 10,000 square feet or less, uh, which is, a, you know, most of our putting greens, you can actually do that up to four times. With the idea you're only treating a quarter acres, you can put it up, you know, on an acre basis, you know, four times to get the same measure of treating a whole acre. So um, that, uh, you know, is kind of the way that works. Uh, in most cases, I don't think that's needed. Uh, usually, you know, a couple applications is sufficient, but if people have the budget and want to spend it, uh, they can uh, use a lot more. Uh, this is a caution label, uh, so it's a very, very safe chemistry from a, a, a mammalian toxicity. Uh, it's not a restricted use pesticide. And it is labeled not only for golf, but also athletic fields, lawns, and even sod farms, although no sod farm would be able to uh, afford to apply it, but it uh, could be used there as well. Now, look, now remember our first thing we talked about, our, how if the nematocytes work, uh, the characteristics, we want to see, look at efficacy. Okay, So we do these uh, lab trials like this where we look at increasing uh, 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 amounts of our pesticide, and, uh, and, how, and looking at our nematode counts after being exposed to these, uh, these, the, the pesticide. So this is our uh, a dose response to fluopyram. And you see here, as we increase our amount of fluopyram we're applying in this, this, this uh, experiment, our sting nematode counts are going down, okay? And so uh, this is typically what we'd expect to see from an effective nematocyte, okay? It, it kills the nematodes, and the more you apply, the, the more it kills. Uh, so it works. Uh, it has very good efficacy on on sting nematode. This is our, our root knot nematode juveniles. Again, really good efficacy on root knot nematode juveniles. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, though, when we do this on lance nematode, we get numbers that are all over the place. Okay. And we repeated these a bunch of times, and this is pretty much what we see. We don't get it up to a four times the maximum labeled rate. We're not getting any control of lance nematodes in these types of bioassays. So for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be effective on, on lance nematodes. Uh, some people have speculated why, but I don't think anything's been proven yet, why, why it works on, that, on other nematodes, but not this one. <clears throat> Uh, one thing we look for uh, when we're working with new chemistry is, <clears throat> is it systemic or not? <clears throat> and so uh, now, 
technically, fluopyrium is systemic in that you can apply it onto the soil and it'll get taken up up to the leaves of the plant. Okay. Uh, but uh, we're looking for functional systemic activity, and uh, in nematodes, these nematodes don't live in the in the xylem. Okay, they're they're feeding on phloem, on live plant tissue. And these nematodes are living in the cortical tissue, that are, when the ones that are inside. So what we do with these split pot experiments, where we take these uh, pipe, we call these pipe pots, and uh, we uh, so we have St. Augustine grass that makes nice big runners. We have going across both sides of the system. We have nematodes on both sides, and then we'll apply our, our nematocyte to one side, but not the other side. Okay. So if, if we got good contact activity, we'll control nematodes over here. But if we also have systemic activity, we can control nematodes over here by treating over here. Okay. And so, uh, so again, if we have a systemic nematocyte like this one. Okay, we, we uh, are controlling nematodes in the treated side and the untreated side, okay? Well, with indemnify, we control nematodes on the treated side, but not the untreated side. So it doesn't seem to have good systemic uh, activity in the live plant tissue where these nematodes feed. So it's not, a, it's not a, uh, 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 from a use standpoint, not, it's not systemic. Okay, uh, so looking at some uh, field data, <clears throat> this is from uh, a trial we did a few years ago on root knot nematodes. <clears throat> now, the white here is our untreated control, and uh, now you see here are these low numbers, and here are these really high numbers. Do you know why they're really high here and low there? This is when we started using our mist chamber, <laughs> and, and so these, these are actually the soil counts, and then after that we moved to use extracting with the mist chamber, so we're getting a lot more nematodes out there now. But uh, you see here that uh, this uh, green line here is uh, one application of indemnify at that uh, 0.39 fluid ounces per thousand rate, and you see that uh, you know for a while it controlled the root knot nematodes, but the control seemed to break off, uh, break down as it moved over time. This is two applications at that half rate. Again, it controlled the nematodes really well for a while. They almost quit applying it. Uh, they they kind of came back up. This is four applications at monthly intervals, and you see we controlled nematodes uh, throughout. So I know you're thinking, well, Dr. Crow, why, if this stuff stays around for a year, why am I not still controlling nematodes back there? Okay, well, just because it stays in the soil for that long doesn't mean it stays in one spot all that time. Okay, and so, uh, you know, over time, it, 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 we find that fluopyrum uh, kind of binds up and all that thatch and stuff, but it'll slowly move down, okay? We want it to move down through that thatch, okay? Now, it is not the most mobile material. It has it's better mobility than abamectin, but it's still a slow-moving material, okay? And so, but over time, it'll move down and kind of get past where those nematodes are. And this is a summer trial, and these, like I told you, these nematodes are really active in the summertime, okay? So they're just cranking out babies like crazy. And so uh, once the stuff kind of gets past them, they can build back up really quick. Uh, I've got, a, I'm looking at some trials right now. We do, we're doing fall applications of indemnify. In those cases, we tend to suppress the root on nematodes for a long period of time. But these summer applications, it tends to break down a little bit quicker. 
Okay, this uh, is a plot here you see with, in this uh, model root knot nematode infested site. You see this nice square here. We're getting good visual improvement from uh, uh, fluopyram. Uh, usually, uh, if you get a really quick response from fluopyram, I tend to suspect you got a root knot nematode problem, even though it may not show up in your assays if you haven't been doing mist extraction. Uh, you may not even know they're there, but it'll give you a really quick response uh, because, again, it kind of starts off up in all that thatch where that root knot nematode stays. Okay, uh, looking. This is a trial we did. This is from the uh, looking at two different nematodes from the same trial. Okay, this was a putting green in Gainesville, Florida, and we're looking at uh, effects on sting nematodes and effects on lance nematodes from Indemnify. We applied our Indemnify back here in August and September. And you see, all you know, up until the next uh, February, okay, our, our Indemnify is doing a good job controlling sting nematode relative to our untreated control here. So in the control, the nematodes jumped up. I told you in Florida, they're real, most active in the wintertime, right? Uh, so nematodes <coughs> jumping up. Now, uh, over here with lance nematodes, though, okay, this green line is our untreated control. Okay, here is our, un, is our indemnify treated. We actually got a lot more lance nematodes. Okay? Now, why do you think these lance nematode populations are going up? It's because we're controlling sting nematode. <laughs> okay, you don't have sting nematode killing all the roots. There's a lot more food for these lance nematodes, and the lance nematodes aren't affected by the uh, fluopyram. So uh, it's something we've been noticing is uh, on a somewhat consistent basis that a lot of times uh, when we treat with indemnify, these lance nematode populations increase. Uh, this is a study we did. Uh, we're looking at effects of thatch, and we had these uh, columns here. Uh, we had ones with thatch, ones without thatch, and we had the fluopyram mixed with this blue dye, so you can see where it moved. And you see here there's a lot more blue dye on these than those over there. If you look up here, you see a lot of green dye all locked up in all the thatch up here. So uh, thatch does slow its movement, so the, if you're, you know, the less thatch you have, uh, probably the better off you're going to be. <laughs> Like I mentioned, indemnify starts off up here, locks up in that thatch, but then it'll slowly move down. So up here, it's going to do good on our root knot nematodes, but as it moves down, now it's going to start controlling our sting nematodes down there. Okay. <coughs> so for sting nematodes, often it takes a while, a little bit longer for it to work, okay, uh, than it does for the root knot nematodes. Okay. So indemnify has has contact activity. Uh, it has limited mobility through thatch, very persistent. It's good for root knot and sting nematode, but not for lance nematode. However, okay, you see these, these, uh, these are some cups I took from one of our trials. Now, this is indemnify treated. Here's our untreated, okay? We got a lot more lance nematodes over here than over here. Should I be concerned? No, okay. I don't care about lance nematodes for roots like this, right? So uh, that's one thing that uh, we need to make you guys aware of. You know, these numbers, you got to look at the roots of your plant. Don't get so freaked out about these counts, okay? And this is one of the reasons why we're, we're going back with this GCSA grant, looking at these lance nematodes and find out what they, what they really, uh, what do these numbers really mean, and also looking at numbers from treated versus untreated because our, our thresholds and things are based on untreated grass. Okay. Well, once you treat, those numbers may mean something different. Okay. So uh, we're going to be visiting this in a lot more detail. So in a couple of years, uh, hopefully I have some better grasp on these lance nematodes than we currently have. But um, 
Comparing abomectin with indemnify, again, abomectin is an excellent uh, root knot nematode product. Uh, it has contact activity, not very long-lived. I say you can get four months of activity. That's because if you're applying it every month, okay? But after that, uh, after about a month, it starts breaking down. It has a warning label. It is restricted to use pesticide. Indemnify works good on, on root knot and sting. Uh, it also is contact, more long-lived. And so I get good uh, responses applying it in the fall, and I'll get my, my grass coming out of dormancy in the spring a whole lot healthier and a whole lot less nematodes. So uh, you, know, you can get that long period of control like that. Again, caution, and not a restricted use pesticide. So we're moving away from our skull and crossbones. Here we got warning, here we got caution. Okay, which is, uh, you know, this is my, my uh, uh, field technician, Tom. Uh, this is Tom applying Nemacure over here, okay? Tom's not happy right now, okay? Uh, this, this is Tom, he's applying uh, Nimitz over here, which is again, you know, just minimal PPE. Uh, Tom's a lot, he's, he's a lot happier here than he is over there, right? So uh, we don't want to have to put all this PPE on if we don't have to. Okay, so finally I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, Raymond kind of referred to my, uh, what I call my jungle juice trial, okay? And so I, I kind of came with the term jungle juice, and uh, they're, they're calling it their, uh, what do you call it, uh, health, uh, root health. Root health. Root health. So, there we go. Yeah, they're, they're, so uh, when they call it root health, I'm calling jungle juice, okay? Like and, they're, you know, when you mix this stuff together, have you guys ever looked at, worked with this stuff, you mix all this stuff together, and it looks like swamp water. I thought about calling it swamp water, but uh, jungle juice sounded better than swamp water. Okay, but uh, anyhow, so in this trial, this is on a Jones Dwarf uh, uh, putting green we're doing. It's a two-year study. We've just finished the first year. Uh, we're just starting the second year of this trial. Uh, now, uh, we have uh, Fleet went on everything. Went on my untreated controls as well as my jungle juice programs and my other, and my nematicides and everything else. Okay, so everything got fleet, even the untreated. But I have my jungle juice program, which I'll tell you what it is in a second, my nematicide program, and then I have a combination. We're using our jungle juice program and our nematicide program. So this is what these programs are. Our uh, nematicide program, uh, we get in fleet uh, every month for eight months. We're applying indemnify, two applications in the spring, two applications in the fall, and during the summer we're doing four applications of divinim at monthly intervals. Okay, so we're putting out a whole lot of nematicide here, okay? But, uh, and, and so then with our jungle juice, we've got fleet applied monthly, we got uh, their seaweed applied monthly, earth max applies monthly, and this root enhancer applied monthly. Okay, so that's what these programs look like. Now, one thing that's different uh, from this trial than I do most of my trials, uh, usually I, I target a single nematode. Now, usually I'm doing a sting nematode trial or a lance nematode trial or a root non-nematode trial. And uh, the reason we picked this particular Jones dwarf site is it had all three of these nematodes. Okay, and so we're looking at, uh, at sting nematode, lance nematode, and a root knot nematode in this trial. But it also makes the statistics for each individual one a little bit messier. But generally what happens if you do a two-year trial and you start, you get really good data the first year, and the next year all your nematodes disappear. And so uh, this way I'm kind of assured I'll get good data throughout. So uh, this is looking at the uh, effects of these treatments on percent green cover, uh, which is what I typically use uh, for uh, uh, looking at uh, turf above ground performance. And you'll see that, uh, okay, my, the blue line here is, is my untreated control. The gray is the jungle juice program. The uh, uh, orange is my nematicide program. And the 
yellow is the combination, okay? And you see that on most of these dates, either my, both my nematicide and my combination treatments improved uh, my turf percent green cover. Looking at the, uh, the average percent green covers across uh, the uh, eight-month, uh, actually this is yeah, eight-month uh, period, uh, you see that uh, statistically the jungle juice program was not different from the untreated, and the combination was not different from the nematicide, but both were different, were better than the the untreated. Okay, so percent green cover-wise, you didn't see a whole lot there, other than anything with the nematicide was getting better. But uh, if you look, actually look at the plots, though. This plot here is one that uh, I received the, the nematicide program. This one was getting the nematicide program and the jungle juice, okay? And you see this one here is looking greener than that. Uh, this is later in the year. Uh, I think this grass is, this is in the fall. Uh, you see here, again, this, is, this plot is, is treated with the nematicide program. This is the nematicide with the jungle juice. And again, you see that sh plot showing up better than this one. And I think a lot of that has to do with colors. So we'll start doing some color ratings this year and see if we, that picks up more. But uh, where we did see some big differences is in roots. This is my combination treatment, okay? Uh, we had a uh, you know, big statistical improvement uh, from the uh, combination program, uh, even a lot better than, our, than my nematicide program here. So the combination, the nematicide with the jungle juice, did have, get, produced a lot better roots. Then we look at nematode data, okay? Now, uh, in this trial, because we, again, we, again, we're looking at root, not nematodes, sting nematodes, and lance nematodes. So we did both extraction methods. We had our soil extraction, we had our mist extraction. If you look here, this is looking at effects on, on sting nematodes, uh, using, looking at the soil extraction. You see throughout this trial in the, in the untreated and, and jungle juice uh, program, uh, my populations went up. My nematicide program here kept them very low. And the combination actually did better than the nematicide by itself. So the, the program seemed to enhance my nematode control on sting nematode. This is looking at, at the, from the mist extraction, which is not a real good uh, method for uh, the sting nematodes. But you see that what I pointed here is that combination, they were zeros uh, in that combination treatment. Well, there was a few in the, uh, in the uh, nematicide. Okay, my root knot nematodes, I had this big outbreak of, of this pasturia bacteria that's a parasite of these uh, root knot nematodes. So my populations kind of went down throughout the trial. But that being said, by the end, uh, here we got statistical reduction from the combination treatment compared to the untreated control. Uh, looking at, at the juveniles, this is looking at the males. And again, that combination treatment gave me statistical reduction in my males. So it also seemed to enhance my effects on my root knot nematodes. Uh, Lance nematodes, though, we didn't see that. You actually see my numbers increasing from my, both my nematicide and my uh, combination treatments compared to the untreated. Uh, this is our jungle juice here by itself, uh, looking at soil and, and mist extraction. So uh, not looking good on lance nematodes, but the grass looked a lot better. Okay, and the roots were a lot better. So the jungle juice program uh, alone had minimal effects on nematode-damaged turf, but the combination uh, program looked like it improved my uh, root health, and uh, it also seemed to help uh, uh, make my nematicides work even better. Not sure why, but again, uh, you know, hopefully Raymond can get some more uh, money coming our way. We can do some more studies with this stuff and try to figure out what's going on. 
So this is just a putting green. Uh, you can see this nematode damage here. Okay, but what nematode is causing that damage? And just showing you, just when you grid these things out and look at where these nematodes are, you see here we have a lot of sting nematodes, but we've got a lot of lance nematodes here. In a few spots here, we got spiral and stubby root nematodes. We had really high populations of ring nematodes and sheathoid nematodes in a few areas. So um, rarely do you have just one nematode you're, you're having to deal with. And so uh, you got to kind of pick which nematode you're going to go after with these treatments. In this case, I would definitely start off with my sting nematodes and treat with indemnify. And uh, then, you know, worry about these lance nematodes later if they become a problem. So it does matter what type of nematodes we're dealing with. Okay, so it's important to know what kind of nematodes you have. It's important to know how those nematodes behave and how the nematocyte works in order to get them to be able to contact each other. Okay. Uh, with that, I want to thank my uh, research staff, my, my diagnostic lab staff, and I am done. So thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes. To send Dr. Schneider and the Herald's Turf Dudes team your questions or comments or to be featured on an upcoming episode, reach out to us at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at turfdudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. Turf Dudes is spelled T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S.